It's me and the Losers Club has officially begun. Get it. Get it. Yeah. We can do this, but we have to stick together. Your tits. We'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just the young boy. <gasps> so cool. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. Greetings, cool boy nation, and welcome. To another installment, spooky (gasps) installment of the Cool Boys podcast. Mm -hmm. You know what they say? What? I'm on the wrong fucking dock. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> My God, I was like, there's a little different stuff in there. Yeah. Greetings, School Boy Nation, and oh, welcome oh, to oh, a yeah. special installment of the Cool Boys podcast. <gasps> what? You know what they say? What? We all float down here is <gasps> what I always like to say. I'm Phil. Oh, oh, no. And I'm Ballard. Uh. So cool. <laughs> this episode, we'll be discussing all things it. <gasps> So we will forgo our cool boy updates and get right yes. into it, chapter mm. two, and all the spe- fa- and all the fabulous spoilers it has given us. Woo. It's time for spoilers. Cool, cool, so cool. Ain't it cool? See, I got a huge cock. Spoilers from here on out for it <laughs> chapter two, it the first one, possibly the the uh, made for TV movie and maybe the book. Who knows? Yeah, don't listen. Don't listen and find out. All right. First, we have a cool. So, <laughs> Ballard. Hi. Yeah. First up, we have. Wait, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> are you, are you horribly this? itchy? Yes, of course I can see this. The back scratcher I got is a birthday gift. But you're using it on areas that are re- are accessible to My you. tummy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah. nothing more creepy than a bamboo back scratcher being used on your chest and tummy and arms, places yeah. you can get to. No, yeah, exactly. That's the, that's what's scary about it. All right. <laughs> As always, the spoiler cast. I'm so itchy. <laughs> we start out with a quick cool boy rain, rain, rating. Rating. Oh, my God. It's Sutter, just like in fucking It. Uh, the cool boy quick rating of possible past films in the franchise. <gasps> what? You have Stephen what King's It and It Chapter One. What's the difference? Is the first one the TV movie? I think so. Yeah, that's I, what I'm I think, to I think I've seen it. I'm, I'm honestly have very little memory of it. I've never. You know. Okay. So my memory of the It miniseries, a two-part movie on TV, was mostly. I just I just remember the clown. I didn't really give a fuck. It was kind of boring. And I watched a lot of Stephen King movies as a kid. Yeah, on I TV. watched Langoliers and oh my god, and The Shining, which is The horrible. Shining. And but the weird thing was is I remember The Shining was all like, guess what? 
this is the shiny Stephen King likes yeah, because terrible. that other shiny was garbage. But I grew up, really grew up on the other shiny. I had a friend down the, lived down the street, and his parents let him watch R-rated shit all the time. So at a really young age, maybe like between six or eight, I saw The Shining, and it was like it haunted me. The one scene where the wolf, the dude in the wolf costume, is blowing the dude on the bed, like that, it burned into my fucking brain. That image for the rest of my life when I was such a young age, I like saw that the naked woman in the bath and turning into an ugly old woman. Yeah, Yeah, like turning into an ugly old woman. Like I remember as a kid thinking, what would I weigh the option? Would I try to at least go in there to see the naked hot woman versus the old woman that comes out of the bath? Is that cool? Like would I do that? It was it was a fucked up movie, but I loved it. And then I saw the TV movie, the approved Stephen King stamped edition. Yeah. And I was like, this is garbage. It is. This is the dude from Wings, and yeah. it's garbage. What is this shit? Bad Legoliers is garbage. The, the Tommy Knockers was garbage. And then I saw a bunch of Stephen King movies as a kid, too. And I was like, this is all garbage. It's garbage. So all, And then I saw it, the TV series or whatever in college because some friends were like, cool boy Steve. We're like, you know, let's uh, watch this. <laughs> well, he, I think he, I don't know if he was into it, but he definitely watched it and had access to it. So we watched it and I was just like, this is boring as fuck. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> this is horrible. Tim Curry's great because he's a clown with the fucked up voice. That's about it. Yeah, I, I'm going to pass on rating it. I don't feel like I've seen it well enough to actually rate it properly. I haven't seen it well enough to rate it, but I'll rate it. I'll give it uh, one out of five boys and I'll give that one boys because of Tim Curry. See, uh, Tim Curry is revered for other things Tim Curry's been in, but was he that great? Loaded Weapon 1 is my favorite Tim Curry. Uh, Congo is my favorite Tim Curry. Or Home Alone 2 is really good, too. He's the... Uh, hotel clerk? guy. Yeah. The hotel manager, yeah. He's great. He's, he's the kind guy of a pervert, in on the, right? on the uncle in the uh, shower when he's, like, naked yeah, in the shower. Yeah, you can tell he's a pervert. I love Loaded Weapon 1, though, and he's the best when he dies and he misses his spot, and then he <laughs> then shows him, like, shift over to hit his little outline, his death outline. Um, Sure, sure. Okay. Okay. Um, so so you rated that one. Now, we get into the actual movie. That franchise. correlates to the film we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like the, the miniseries is, isn't, isn't relevant. I just haven't, like, really seen it. No, and I just wanted to pretty much say that it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, okay, I honestly hate most Stephen King content, and I was so, like, frustrated. Me too. Like, when, thinking about it, I was like, the Stephen King, Stephen King's shit. Like, I don't really get it. Like, I, I, I went to Bangor, Maine, where, you know, he lives and, and or grew up or some shit, and there's a whole little, like, bookstore there that sells a bunch of Stephen King crap. I bought books there, like The Shining and things like that, and handed it off to friends who love Stephen King. I, cool Boy Andy loves Stephen King. He probably hates the fact I'm bashing him. Cool Boy Andy is in love with Stephen King, loves everything and all things Stephen King. I remember, yeah. He talked about The Dark Tower. Yeah, The Dark Tower, which I never saw. I never. It was a stupid movie I no, heard. No, yeah. Um, I, so I, I was kind of thinking, I, there's probably like only five Stephen King movies I actually like. So yeah. I looked it up. I went and looked it up, Felk, and I found a whole list of Stephen King movies, and I ended up just looking at the ones I actually liked off the list. Oh, my God. At Pupil. Yeah, I don't really like that movie, but it was well made. It's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Carrie 1976. I'm not talking about the Chloe Moretz Grace one that's new. I actually like the Carrie 1976 Brian De Palma film. Grace Moretz. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Gerald's Game in uh, on Netflix was good with Car- Carla Gugino and all that stuff. Are you listing every Stephen King movie you like? No, liked? no, just the ones I like. Just the ones I like. Okay. I was That's surprised that. actually how many I liked because I originally thought it was like only five. The Green Mile, yeah. Frank Darabont, right? It's it good. Chapter One, which we're about to get into. Um, the Mist, 
This is great. Pet Cemetery, yeah, which again, Frank Darabont. Pet Cemetery 1989. I have not seen the updated one, but I actually like the 89 one. Um, even though it has some Stephen King isms in it, I actually liked the atmosphere it built. The Running Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fucking love that. Five yeah. out of five boys. Sort of short that story. blew me away. I was surprised that was Stephen King. Very, very. That's the loosest adaptation, I think, on this list. The Shawshank Redemption. Another one I love at Stephen King, Frank Darabont. The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's adaptation, again, of, of Stephen King. And Silver Bullet, the werewolf one. I remember that mostly as a kid freaking me the fuck out. Mm -hmm. When I rewatched it recently, it's not that good. That's it. I'm done. Okay. All right. Now we will rate it chapter one. I'm going to give it three and a half boys out of five. I rewatched it right before seeing chapter two. Yes. And when I first saw it, I really liked it. And it reminded me of like a uh, really hard R, Stranger Things, which I like a lot. Stranger Things. I like the concept of Stranger Things more than I like seasons two and three. I love season one. Um, Summer of 84, I really love that movie. Um, so I, I, going into it, chapter one, I was expecting it to something be some of that nature. And it was awesome. It was fucking great. I loved it. I loved it. Chapter one. Really? I'm fully immersed into it. I don't know if it's really five out of five boys. Maybe it's four out of five boys. But mm -hmm. like... I loved it. Like right. I was in that movie and I enjoyed the kids and the relationship the kids built and it felt believable and Pennywise was a little overdone, but it was fine because they I didn't read the book. Like I have no basis on this book. And but I did not mind it and it was a tight story and I was happy with it. And I did not need chapter two at all. Like Yeah, at that's all. the catch is that I I didn't either. Um so the the other things that uh in chapter one are inextricably linked to i would say are the first season of stranger things yeah and then also the movie pilot for stranger things uh jj's super eight uh all, all three of those movies attempt to replicate like that 19 late 1980s boy goes on a sci-fi adventure without ever leaving the suburbs so, summer of 84 same thing Have what is summer of 84 you keep mentioning it so if you, you know Turbo Kid, right? Yeah. So oh, those so those three guys. Yeah, yeah. That's the next movie they made, and it's Stranger Things except dealing with a serial killer that's a lot like maybe, like you could say, BTK or something like that. Yeah, I I've, I I think I've just heard about it through Red Letter Media's review now that you mentioned it. I did, I, Summer of 84 is awesome. Maybe it's look into fucking, it. It's really good. It's way different than Turbo Kid, yeah. but it's still shot like you're watching a movie made in the 80s. Okay. Uh. Well... Of the more successful things, rank them. The Super 8, first season of Stranger Things, it's chapter one. Okay, well, I'm going to put Summer of 84 in there. Um, so I, I I would say for me, I'm going to say You're Super 8. You're cheating. It's three. I'm, doing, I'm adding Summer of 84. I have to. I'm discounting so, it. Yeah, well, you don't have to, but I'm going to add it. So uh, the my, my fourth spot is Super 8. Number three. My number three spot is Stranger Things. That's number two. My number two spot is It Chapter One. And number one. Summer of 84. Discounted. <laughs> yeah, I know. So so you can so if you just take that out, you have my one through three. Yes, but yes. Summer of 84 is awesome. It's fucking my it's like one of my favorite things. And the music Maybe I'll check Lam it out. Maybe I'll check Lamatos, it out. Lamatos, 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 I don't know how you can say his name. Lamatos, the um the dude that scored Turbo Kid scored Summer of 84, and it's another incredible soundtrack. And Turbo it's Kid different. was very good. It's, uh, it's different. Was. It's a it's a haunting, creepy horror synth. It's really good. The movie Summer of '84 is fucking amazing. Okay, I love Turbo Kid and I love Summer of '84. Both of those for me are six out of five boys. 
Six out of five. All right. Well, now we're just breaking all the rules. No, no. I've called in that sixth boy into the room. I've literally called him from his apartment. He had to drive over. Literally. In his Miata. Yeah. All right. But anyways, okay. So I give it chapter one. Like I said, I, I'm going to end it on four out of five boys. I really like it a lot, but it's... um. You've changed your boy it's rating done. already. Now. No, no, no. I did. I, I changed it earlier, dude. I said five, and then I said a four. All right. We're all over the map here. <laughs> Moving on to chapter two. It chapter two. All right. Felk, what is your cool boy rating of it chapter two? Two and a half boys. Wow. Did not hate it, but also, I mean, it does not need to be two hours and 49 minutes. Wow. Yeah, yeah it definitely does not need to be that at all. I and, agree with that. And for it sure. is wildly uneven with level, the level of interest. The highs in this movie are, I would say are actually better than the, any of the highs in Ed chapter uh, one, but it is hmm. all over the map in terms of its tone and quality. It, it just, it, it goes from like three to 10 in terms of like volume level, like all, all over the place, right from the start. The first scene with uh, Bev and, and like, oh, I got to go. And her husband's like, I'm a little too cool with this. And then all of a sudden I'm abusive husband. It's just like, whoa, there's a fucking in between you have to go to. It's just oh, it's, that it's up and weird. down. It's that all over weird. the place. It's all over the place in terms of especially like since they intensity. weren't in dairy. Like it made make sense, I guess canonically if oh, they yeah, were in dairy no but he was just a weren't. bad person i guess yeah so it just kind of answered like things about bev in the end like that are like a little freudian in nature um yeah i i i, I agree it it's uh it's it's weird i wouldn't say that the highs are better in it chapter two than they are in chapter one i would say there's fewer highs uh many more lows yeah a lot more and lows. i thought it chapter two was kind of garbage and I couldn't believe that the same director that directed it chapter one with the same, I think screenwriters and essentially cast and crew made such a shittier film in it chapter two. I, uh, I gave it chapter two, like one and a half out of five boys. I will probably never watch it again. I don't give a fuck about it. I am totally satisfied with the way it chapter one ends. I don't fucking need any more movies. Um, there are three things I really liked about it chapter two. Okay. <laughs> Um, the gay dude death at the beginning at the fair, I thought was really incredibly fucking well done. Uh, yeah, I, 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 my caveat there is that I don't feel like this movie and really the first one do a good enough job of setting up that uh, it is making the entire town of Derry like evil. Because like, I, I kind of forgot that. And during that scene, I was just like, OK, so these guys are just are just like a homophobic well, game. It's based on a true story, right? Yeah, it's so, based on a true story. But like that story took place like in the 50s, I think. I think the, the true story took place in 1980. Well, still. All right. Still, even if it was 1989, this 1980 or even. OK, so written in 1989, but but from a story based in 1980. But in 2019, we're a vastly different world culturally and typically speaking, at a crowded carnival, two gay guys getting bullied and, and uh, uh, abused by four other guys. Granted, the attack happens in a more secluded area, but they're just like right in the middle of it, going like, "Hey, cursive f word, uh, you know, get out of here." It's like those. Oh no, he died in '84. It happened in '84. So, yeah, yeah, in '84. I mean, Charlie Howard. His name was Charlie Howard. People were. Oh yeah, there's horrible things happened back then. It's just it didn't and his feel, boyfriend watched just like it happened in the beginning of the movie. It was in very 2019, similar. it didn't feel particularly realistic, and you could write that off by saying, okay, but it's making everyone in Derry like evil. 
But uh, the way the story plays, it's just like these got four people just decided to uh, attempt a murder of a guy for being gay. It's just like, yeah, that stuff only happens in Jesse Smollett's mind. Not, no. not in reality. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, in reality, the entire carnival goers would would be like, "Whoa, what the fuck are these four well, guys they were doing?" Far, no, no, them. I think the I disagree. So, okay, by the way, getting back to my thing, like, this is being one of like three things I actually like from this fucking movie. I thought they actually set the stakes up well enough. I thought they they set the atmosphere up. I'll say that probably a bunch. I'm sorry because it's a horror movie, but like. They did. They set what, it up atmosphere? well enough that, like, you felt nervous walking across that bridge. You saw the fair and the carnival in the distance enough that it that you felt far enough removed that there could be silence here in the beating. And I I really fell for it. And I had that claustrophobic feeling of being beaten down the way they shot it and the way they were rack focusing and out of focus and like the hits and it it felt horrible. It felt I felt you know. Just, just the, that hatred and that fucking violence, and it was, it was really well done. And then the dump over, like the before he falls into the river, you feel that tension, like fuck, dude, he's gonna drown. He's got his ass kicked so bad, like regardless if he can swim or not, he could just drown in this scenario. Drops in the water, bobbing in the water, and the very first thing you see after maybe three or four bobs, you see a little slight reddish whitish thing in the distance, out of focus. That slightly that was well, more, oh, more yeah, that focus. was very well directed. Yeah. That was so fucking well done. Like I was like, oh dude, no, um, that was so much subtlety there, and so much haunted imagery of seeing a clown, and then when his lover like runs down, and then just sees essentially somebody trying to save his you know boyfriend, and then like takes a bite out of him. That was scary shit. Like that was good shit. And I was actually like starting this movie off. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm excited for it. Chapter two. It wasn't very long after that that I was like. <laughs> What the fuck is going on with this movie? Yeah, I, I can tell you exactly where I, I had the, the moment of like, oh, okay, this is just oh, going to be great. I can tell you exactly. For me, it was vandalizing a Chinese restaurant. No problem. They're breaking fucking chairs over a goddamn table. I was table. fine with that. I was, I was actually fine oh, with no, that. Oh, no. I was like, that's so unrealistic. Like, first of all, I, I've been to enough Chinese restaurants to know that breaking a chair over a table, you're going to have the manager running over to you. You're going to have the waitress. You're going to have the waiters. You're going to have the cooks, the chefs. Everyone's going to be running over to you, screaming at you to stop it because everything there, they don't want that break. Broken. That's a that's a big deal to fix that no, shit. No, yeah, they, they would it would call, you would be asked to leave uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't just was, walk in there and be like, check please. Okay, yeah. See that that's a that's another major. I mean, we, that's another major problem in the movie is that I it doesn't make it clear enough whether or not what's happening is really happening to other observers or not. Uh, it, it's in it, like the Paul Bunyan statue. Like, obviously, no one else saw that except. Uh, Richie, right, like the uh, dad didn't see the blood in the first movie, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, but but like they they see the people slamming the table down, but they don't see the fucking weird creatures that they're crushing coming out of the fortune cookies and shit. It's and just the entire town, except for the carnival, feels completely empty like nobody works at the hotel they're staying at what nobody, the fuck it, is that about dude that was like a goddamn sitcom like they were just it was like faulty towers they're just like <laughs> walking in and walking out but no one's working there and like they're having big scenes in the fucking lobby and nobody's working there they're fucking checking in the hotel and checking out of the hotel but no one's working there what the fuck was that shit that was garbage they're pouring themselves drinks by walking around the back of the bar I assume the Chinese restaurant is the same thing. Is that like there's just one girl who somehow works there? Like, but uh, that's bad. 
No, it was weird. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the movie became sitcom quality. Technically, this movie was well made. Technically, it was a very well made movie. Well shot. No, great yeah. special effects. Andrew, great lighting. Andrew, 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 great Andrew acting. Machete, Andrew Machete. A Everything was technically incredibly well made about this film. It just did not work for me. It was a horrible movie. It was too many answers. I mean, that's a big thing we'll get into maybe throughout this whole thing. But it's just too many answers. I was like, what the fuck? Like, oh my God, you're. it's like Boba Fett all over again. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Okay. Like, it's just, what the fuck? Like, I just, I'm like, I don't need to know where Boba Fett came from. Okay. I don't need to know that shit. I think someone said that. Was that, was that in, um... Plinkett's review, maybe a million people have said that. Well, yeah, it of is course. a Plinkett's review, but that's a common theme that like we don't need to expand on every single. So thing. it just ruins Pennywise when Pennywise becomes a fucking out of space creature that crash landed on the planet. He's a fucking alien. He's an ancient alien, ancient astronaut. Like what the fuck? It's just it ruined them. All of a sudden, I was like, I don't give a shit. I lost all care, and that's a problem with Stephen King is that he just like these endings get so grandiose at times. I love when Stephen King is able to be toned down, like The Mist. I don't know yeah. if the mist is accurate to the no, story. No, they changed the ending. The ending's very different. What is the ending for the mist? Uh, I don't. I, honestly, I don't know what the ending for the novella is. I just know Dreamcatcher is a horrible movie because it starts off super small and amazing in a cabin, and then it turns out this huge military base attacking a goddamn fucking giant hive of an alien spaceship or some shit, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? And then Dreamcatcher has also the very similar things as as it, where it bounces back and forth between the childhood. And the, the kids together as an adult. Yeah, he was now, trying to do it again friends. with Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher is like five or six different stories being told at once. It's a Stephen King movie. It's a or a Stephen King story. They're all 5,000 different stories at once. It's weird. It's not weird. It's cocaine. He's openly talked about how much oh, cocaine really? did back in those days. Yeah, so oh, really? Oh, my God, I didn't know it. that. Wow. So I would say, yeah, the technically well-made is one of my favorite things about the movie. <laughs> the, 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 the homophobic uh, murder in the beginning was fucked up and that was a, it was well done and it made you feel the horror that you needed to set you off on with steaks and, and all that stuff for dairy. The other thing I really liked was the little girl dying under the, uh, uh, that the baseball game under great. the stands yeah, of the that bleachers. Was very, that, that was like the only Holy like shit. overt horror scene in the movie where I was just like I on jumped. the edge. I actually jumped. I didn't jump the whole movie. I rarely jump. Yeah. I, I rarely do jump. Mostly as an editor. I'm sorry, as a retired piece of delivery driver, no. I can kind of get a good idea of like when, when the coming. jump is going to come. Or So I'm prepared. That one got me. It was when she says you're supposed to say three, and he just eats her fucking face. Holy shit. That made me jump. It got me because they tricked you. Because when he says uh, three... Because he counts up to three, then it just cuts, and he's just like frozen, drooling. Yeah. There's that pause where it was like I was expecting the scare, the, the scare, and then it waited like two seconds, and then scare, and it worked. See, that was that's the I most effective actually, scene in the movie. It was. It was absolutely most effective scene in the movie. But for me, I in that moment had a quick thought that is he freezing because something the Losers Club is doing, and he's about to bounce out of there and go deal with them. And we're going to like see that from now its perspective. Maybe I, I had that thought, but no, it was fucking crazy. It was awesome. It was really well done. And I felt horror for that mother. I felt this incredible dread for this mother. All of a sudden that like her daughter just got killed, like right below yeah. her, you know, like maybe 10 feet from her. The fact that he was able to mask the noise for everyone. And like he, he isolates you. And that was scary. And the way he had that little flicker, that little firefly, that little lightning bug in his little hand. And it was using it to light his face. It was really well done. It was great lighting. Yeah. But then the rest of the movie fucking sucked. I didn't think it sucked. I, no, I was it fucking sucked. bored at times for, for uh, large sucked. stretches of it. It sucked. Um, 
the, the point at which I, I, I was like, okay, this movie is kind of going to be wildly uneven in terms of good scenes versus bad scenes is when they finally cut to the first like full fucking scene with uh, the kids again. And yeah, um, I, I, I want to say I d- didn't know be- that they were digitally a- aging them. De-aging yeah, them. I dude, kind of was on the, um, the, I was in the impression that maybe they shot th- this shit first. In the, I think the first they movie. shot some like B roll early on of, of the towns because they did not shoot in Maine again. In the second film, the shooting locations were all in Canada for the second film, but they had reshot locations in uh, from Bangor, Maine, where the some of the first movie was shot. But other than that, um, I think all the kids stuff is absolutely de-aged. It was really distracting. The, every time they cut to the fat kid's face, I was just like, that yeah. is not what a human being's face looks like. So they got his mouth wrong, right? Like yeah. they were able to get his face the right amount of fat that he was as the little boy, but they couldn't put his mouth in the right spot. And the pitch shifting for yes. uh, the kid Eddie. from Shazam. Yeah. Uh, Eddie was bad. And so was really Richie. Um, uh, yeah. uh, Finn Wolfhard was like, oh, my God. Well, see, Finn Wolfhard was hard because we know what he sounds like <laughs> now because of Stranger Things season three. Right. Yes. Like we know that. But yeah, like, no, and, and we know and what he, he looks he aged, like. like. Between season two and three, he aged a lot. Yeah. So uh, that was the weird part, too, is that they de-aged every kid's face slightly. Right. Some kids more so than others, but they couldn't de-age their bodies. So Finn Wolfhard has this new body where he's got like these like fucking literally arms down to his fucking knees. And Eddie, who was like the smallest kid in chapter one, is now leveled off with everybody else because it was weird. Because uh, what's his name? Jack Dylan Grazer has grown a lot, you know, and he looks a lot different in Shazam. Like he does not look the same. It it looked weird. I would say the worst were Finn Wolfhard as Richie. He looked pretty bad. Eddie looked pretty bad as uh, Jack Dylan Grazer. Stanley, you can Eddie see was that the voice had... for me. Like that. That's what just threw yeah. me off. It sounded it sounded like the South Park kids, where you could hear that it sped up. Yeah, he was like yeah he was t- he was tinted up, but then um his face looked smoothed, only like slightly smooth. Yeah, Bev looked really good. They did a good job with her, so she probably changed barely any. It was Bill, same. I thought they did a good job with him, and um, Mike. Mike, they changed like his lower jaw. Bill, I didn't notice at all. Uh, yeah, Bill, I didn't notice much. Ben, Ben was yeah. It was Justice League. It was Cavill's face bad. It I was. Think. It was kind of like that. And it was just I, distracting. And there's and, and every, every it was just like every scene with them added nothing to the story. So I kind of just was like, they should not have done this. They should have kept this yeah. all the adults and just because they used some footage from the first. It one, wouldn't like, have worked as all the adults because the adult shit was the sitcom crap that I hated mostly. Like when they cut to the kids. Here's the other thing about the kids. It was weird. Where the fuck was that clubhouse in chapter one? It was the weirdest scene. All Cut of a sudden, put the clubhouse <laughs> in that movie. Cut for time. Well, and then it was all. It was. I almost thought like, did we put them in a clubhouse so we could put shadows over their faces and mask some of the visual effects? Like, I think club, the clubhouse is in the book. It's weird because like like hot Ben. Uh, adult Ben. Uh, hot ta- Ben ta- talks about the clubhouse, and I'm like. Oh yeah, like the clubhouse in the movie. Wait, they didn't have a clubhouse in the movie. And then there's like, ah, oh, flashback to a clubhouse we didn't mention. Yeah, I, yeah, we never, you never saw before, but should have obviously, you know, been a big deal in the first movie if like all this shit happened there and they built this whole thing. It's one of those things that like felt like, I, um, you know, like they were trying to like shoehorn the kids in. I, but at the same time, I feel that like the kids, like they they make the story interesting. Um. I, I I did because I I liked I liked them from the first movie. Well, because those little suburban kids fighting a supernatural thing is is 
obviously it reminds us of the Spielberg movies and the Goonies and, and the eighties itself, the nostalgia effect works. Um, and, and also it's just an interesting type of story. So like seeing like kids have to like kind of grow up suddenly, but you know, like we all do in real life, but yep. it's in a supernatural way uh, are dealing with a supernatural threat. Seeing a bunch of adults, uh, deal with that shit is like, call the military, you know, like, why yeah, are it is. Like, you're right. Like, why, sure, but why, like, why, are, why are you dealing with this? And another but they're thing, they're not, they're not, they're not Alan Grant. And, you know, they don't have Ellie Sattler like on, you know, on a satellite phone and get access to them and get the military in there. Yeah, I guess. And, and obviously no one would believe them if they said that like, Oh yeah, it's a killer clown eating kids. Yeah. What's the uh, military going to do? But the thing, it's just, it doesn't, it, there's no weight. It doesn't seem realistic that like yeah. that that because kids are like you know like oh yeah we have to fight it with our baseball bat but like adults it seems like you should know better another big problem with the, the whole adult thing it's just that okay so in the book you, you, I'm sure you know it it starts with the adults and then it you know flashes back and forth like every chapter or whatever uh, between yeah. the two the the idea of structuring it with the like part one being the kids and the part two being the adults is from the 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 TV movie, which was suggested yeah. by Stephen King, is how you adapt it. So th there's like that like level of con uh, canonical approval from him. But th this one obviously was, you know, the first one was so popular that this one they wanted to add more of the kids in. That's where the, the, it seemed like. the CGI. But when you do it that way, where the stories are tandem, flashing back between the adults and the, and the kids, it makes sense that the idea that the adults, all except for... Um, Mike, all the other ones have left Derry and they've forgotten the events of the first movie. So in the book, when it's flashing back to like them remembering things, it w works that they all forget. But in this movie, we just saw the first movie and we know what we're on board for. They should have just dropped the whole thing where some of them didn't remember because it didn't make any goddamn sense narratively right. in the structure. Yeah. And it just wasted fucking time. That's a that's a good, you know. 10 minute chunk of an already 50 minute too long movie that could have just taken out anytime anyone mentions like, oh, I couldn't right remember who was it? Who kissed me? Who wrote the, who wrote the fucking poem about winter fire? Yeah. 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 January embers and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay. But like, okay. So for me, some of this, like not reading the book, apparently Mike, I guess is the one who is, um, you know, the one that gets into the town history even as a kid, and it's not Ben, but in, the, yeah. in chapter one, they made it Ben. Yeah. It, it was weird that they made that change only to have Mike. It just felt like this weird character shift or character dynamic shift, like to have Mike all of a sudden be the historian. Like, I, I didn't really get that and grasp that. That seemed really odd to me. I, I didn't think like with that the first, at all. With the first one, they, like, I know that they did not know that there was going to be a part two. That well, part no, two that's not true because they filmed... Um, a end credit scene that they did not put in the movie in the end that was um, a phone ringing. Okay, this is a post-credit scene, right? So I, the credits just run, and all of a sudden you cut to a phone ringing, and it's an iPhone, so you know you're not in 1980-whatever. Oh. What, what year was it again? It was uh, 1989. 1988. Okay. So you're not in 1988 anymore. You know you're in the future. It's an iPhone ringing. And then you see a hand grab it, and it's, the camera spins around, and it's you know a woman holding the iPhone to her ear. And it's Beverly, and it's Jessica Chastain, someone they knew literally right away, clearly, that they wanted to cast. That was Beverly. obvious casting, yeah. Yeah, she's great. I mean, it's perfect. Like, her, what's her name? Sof I have her name here. Sophia, Sophia Lillis, or Lillies, I don't know what the fuck. And Jessica Chastain, they look, they look identical. They look they, they do. I mean, she, they Most also could have cast, they, they casted Bryce Dallas Howard because. No, was, maybe, because like, she does have the same chin a little bit. But um, they did a great job with the casting, and that's something I really want to point out is that I love how the cast did a 
good job. Like everybody did their the job of like having to cast adults and kids and do it six times over. Yeah. They, they did it pretty much perfectly. Even the fucking they Jewish did. kid who just kills himself, they cast him as the adult looks just like him. Suicide for the win! Yeah. Somehow they spun that suicide into an immediate, like, hey, you did it, fucking Stanley. That was you weird. saved us. That Your whole thing suicide was weird. saved us. Uh, that was bullshit. That pissed me off. That literally pissed me off. That was the moment I was like, this is garbage. This is fucking garbage. That was them being like, well, you have two. I, I mean, I assume it's in the book, but I, I kind of felt like we have too many characters. So it's like, and the rest. <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah what, They do what have too that? many. Like, there's a reason why Stranger Things is like four boys, one girl and, and, and like uh, Goonies and all the other ones. They cap it at like five kids. Stranger Things is what? Six, seven. Oh yeah, are. but they they added they add kids like every season, don't they? I forgot they add the little girl in the second season. Oh, Stranger Things? No, no yeah, yeah, but uh, it has has like one or two too many. Oh well, movie. yeah, that, that's why they got rid of Stanley, and that's why you know Ben Monster, is Monster barely Squad involved in the first kids, movie. You know, you, you would have trouble keeping track of which. But was here's the thing: they did a good job, at least in the chapter one, of making the kids feel like friends and having the group naturally come together. Like yes, I like that chapter one. While chapter two, the orgy. What what? The orgy is so fucking weird. The, uh, but chapter two to me is like is is this weird mesh of like adults that would not act this way. Would even like most adults would just be like, well, fuck this, dude. I'm not here, and they would have left. They no, wouldn't exactly. have just circled That's around and looked at their tokens. Yeah. Like the parts when they just start, they're like, they're like, I'm leaving. They're like, well, I'll go look for my token. I guess it's just like, wait, no, just fucking leave. I mean, because we're talking about the adults and casting. I just realized, by the way, what's our last spoiler cast that we did? Uh, was it X-Men Dark Phoenix? No, Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, Far From Home. You're right. All right. Well, second to last then would be uh, Dark Phoenix. And who's in that? Jessica Chastain. And? James McAvoy. Whoa. But I guess Spider-Man ruined it. We'd have symmetry. We'd have we'd have McAstain. No, who knows? And Bill Hader, maybe he could have been in it as Nightcrawler. We don't know. There's too much makeup. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Chastain and, and James McAvoy have been part of the, the two biggest in theater, like disappointments movies. I, I checked my watch the most during how much longer do I have? I don't mind Dark Phoenix, actually. I, I like know. Dark Phoenix to some extent. I'm going to own it. Um, well, OK, it's chapter two. Yeah. So. I okay. I, I don't want to just rag on it, but I'm gonna rag on it some more. So fucking the bully returns, and that was one of the things I liked about the first movies that they killed the bully. Yeah, and he well, was like this. He was like this psychotic character. The bully's the weak part of chapter one because he is he's too bully. You he's know? homicidal. Yeah, he's fucking psycho, dude. Bullies will uh, punch you in the back of the head and call you. Uh, the f the not the carve their name into your yeah, fucking stomach fucking things what does he carve into his name he's he, he was he's ca he's gonna carve henry his name into ben's stomach he carves an h and then he stops because ben kicks him and then falls down the hill yeah he was gonna carve his name into a fat kid he was gonna kill that fat kid <laughs> with dude. two other like side bullies helping him right it wasn't just right, him alone. but here's Here's the thing, though. When I watched that scene, having rewatched like Mindhunter season one and season two, I I think like okay, he's just he's, the beginning yeah. of a serial killer. He's not a like, bully. He's a he's not a bully. He's a serial killer, and he's gonna just be the next fucking you know Edmund Kemper. Like that's about it in the end. Because they there's always the bully. 
and and Stranger Things season two introduced its own bully. And he was and psychotic too in season three. Yeah, but season three, <laughs> he gets mind controlled by the thing. Oh yeah. Just so so same with Henry Bowers. He's mind controlled by by Pennywise. I'm not You're sure just victim blaming. You're victim blaming. But when does the mind control start? Was he mind controlled when he was carving his into a fucking yeah, oh, yeah. child? Dude, that's the bullshit thing about these movies in the end that sucks is that they never ever really got into how much control. Pennywise has over this town and apparently he has got a full control. He does say at one point gazebos to Eddie, which is something that he says to his mom in chapter one, when he's saying placebos, he yeah. says gazebos was mom. So the inference there would be that Pennywise is listening all everything all the time. And he's there all the time watching you all the time. He's like the watcher. He's like Uwatu. Yeah. And he also can, um, teleport zombies places to like into a secure facility to give him the knife and then also teleported the zombie into a car that was waiting for him and then that zombie's not seen again yeah well that zombie's also the kid right from the first movie yeah, his friend, um, but right. that's what's terrible right all of a sudden when the boldy like henry fucking comes back and he's like looking at the balloon through the window of his fucking asylum and then he breaks out of there and he's essentially murders his way out okay by the way that's not a problem either. Murdering people to get out and then being on the lamb, being a fugitive, being in a sane asylum, fucking criminal on the on the lamb. And for some reason, there's no cops looking for him. There's nothing in Derry looking for Henry Bowers. I didn't like that. That was I, bullshit. I, I, I so was once again, I was like, this is a sitcom. It manifested a zombie places to help him, his zombie friend. I know, but killed. I'm like thinking of it like from an like from like a real city perspective of like why are the cops who probably clearly came to the insane asylum and called nine one one immediately when someone died are not looking for this fucking dude anywhere? Well, I don't know why they even have an insane asylum. Do they even arrest people? <laughs> what is going on? But he drives his car, his old his old. I think it's a Trans Am um, that he drove in in the first. Yeah, one, yeah, right? that his friend got. Yeah, his Poindexter friend got or whatever his name is, Hawkster or whatever. Yeah. But how 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 like did it manifest the car? The car was impounded. Have, and or, rushed by then or it saved it up in its fucking little it garage and kept it all nice and tight and kept it you know dropped all the liquids out of it so it wouldn't sludge up and then properly put oils and all the you know other fluids back in to make sure that baby run nice and purred it up and then she fucking roared out of that garage and put fucking hawkster whatever his name was back in there and he fucking rolled out all the way to that same asylum pick up henry bowers it's stupid. It's stupid. It's fucking stupid. It's stupid. It's cocaine. It's cocaine. <laughs> it started a lot of coke in the 80s. Fuck it. And, and I, the, the bully doesn't do anything, by the way. He, he stabs. The bully is a bully. He stabs Eddie in the cheek, and then Eddie stabs him in the chest, and he falls out a window, and, and it's like it's like a nothing scene. Yeah. You could just cut the whole scene out of the movie. It yeah. did nothing. Yeah. Well, you and, couldn't because then Eddie would have a mysterious cheek wound. No, you just didn't have to film that scene ever. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You cut cut it out in the screenplay form, sure. Yes, in scripting, you yeah. should have had that scene well cut out of the movie beforehand. Um, Honestly, and, okay, they so could have just cut out the bully. They could have. He was a terrible character. He was comical. He was a fuck. Okay, I'm telling you, this was situation comedy. It was fucking yeah. ridiculous. There was moments like that. Another situational comical moment was um. He's getting fucking puked on by the goddamn leper. Yeah. And out of nowhere, he goes, fucking the Angel of the Morning song kicks on. Just call me Angel yeah. of the Morning That has baffled Angel. everyone. What the fuck was going on? My audience, by the way, loved it. They fucking were laughing their asses off throughout this whole movie. I honestly at one point went, oh, this is what an MCU horror movie is going to be like. They have that's, random it's, jokes it's exactly, like this. That's exactly what it is. It's an MCU This is what Doctor movie. Strange in the Mo Multiverse of Madness is going to be like, dude. 
Yeah. Um, the ex the general consensus of explanation is, is that they, they filmed that thing, tried to meant it to be scary, realized that it was too evil, dead, funny and whimsical and added that music to like, so no one would suspect that they were actually trying to do something scary and it came wow. across as too funny. <laughs> That's so damn fucking stupid. I mean, right. oh, I, there's a lot I, of that in this movie, though, because there's also theories that um, the stabbing in the cheek as Eddie's leaving, he says, yeah. to the bully, why don't you shave off that mullet? And he's not facing the camera at that point. And it sounds different. I even noticed that it sounded like ADR. And that was another moment oh, really? where they, they realized that that scene wasn't horrifying. So they made it. They tried. They made oh, it dude. funny in post. My audience loved that fucking line. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. It's not. They didn't do a bad job of it. I think that I think the post on this was really quick. So it's okay. So this is why I also felt like MCU because the post felt quick like that. Because there was moments like it was sloppy editing. Because there were moments people like just like you cut into like the lobby of the fucking hotel out of nowhere and two people are conversing and then someone would just walk in covered in gunk and like you could add a laugh track to it. Yeah, you could. It, and you could be like, it would be like you know Jefferson showing up and Mary with children. Sheldon, oh! what have you been up to? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, Eddie, what are you covered in? Don't get me started. Eddie storms up the stairs. And then you have, you know, someone else come down and go, guys, you better get up here real quick. You know, whatever is happening. It was it was like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Um, I, I just it felt everything felt cheap. Everything felt fake. Everything felt like it was. I can't, maybe this is the point that it was all a corrupted town, but it was wrong. It, well. it didn't feel right. There's there was the point at the at the amusement park or the fair or the carnival where um, Bill runs into the fun house without a ticket and the fucking dude who takes tickets who just took tickets to the kids and prior, the kid that went before him yeah. looks literally at Bill and he's in the background of the shot as Bill runs into the tunnel. He just goes, Oh, well like Bob Iger. He's just like, Oh, well, and then fucking like <laughs> Bill runs in there. He watches a child get fucking murdered by Pennywise. Yeah. That seems not well done. No problem, right? Nobody, like, cares. No fucking problem again. And then, right, like, he runs out of there, I guess. He's like, there's a boy that's got murdered. But no cops investigate no. this murder, all this blood everywhere. Generally speaking, if you, if you go into an empty funhouse with one boy and the boy disappears, the cops you're, are going to have questions for you're you. You're a suspect. You're a fucking suspect. But the movie ends and there's Bill has no questioning of the cops. Everything's fine, even though they didn't explain to him the death of it. How could they explain the death of Pennywise down in the fucking, like, meteor fucking crater? Like, like they couldn't. So, like, somebody would be like, well, the last time I saw anybody go in there, it was Bill no. following little boy that the same house he lived in. Seems a little He's creepy, right? Yeah, he was also involved in the disappear sudden disappearance of his younger brother a long time ago. So maybe he's at it again. Patterns, only patterns showing up here. Um, also, murdering the fugitive with a hatchet, and then nobody seemed to care again. Once again, no problem. No. No problem there. You fucking left a dead body with a goddamn antique hatchet in his fucking head. No problem. No murder mysteries. Yeah, it was no criminal evidence. Uh, it was like, like well, a lawless. Uh, it was. It was the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Wiki Wiki Wild. Oh, Phil, can I get into it real quickly, by the way, my audience? So like I was saying, my audience was laughing a lot. My audience was predominantly 10-year-old to 12-year-old children. Really? Yes, I saw it at 5 o'clock, 4.30 technically, on Sunday, and it was a predominantly, it was like I was seeing a fucking Marvel film, not to bring up Marvel again. It was like seeing an MCU movie. It was like the same exact fucking audience. You it can was bring like, up Marvel a lot, because like I felt, I, I felt like this is 
trying to take make the the Stephen King into the next MCU. Obviously, everything's not completely connected, but like there's parallels. It's gruesome though. It's R. Like we'll get to that. It's R though. It's R. It is an R. It is an R. This is R. I mean, and there hasn't obviously been an MCU or um, the closest things with Deadpool, I guess. Deadpool, yeah. yeah. And Deadpool probably had a lot of 10-year-olds too at 5 p.m. Or Logan. Sunday. Don't forget Logan. Yeah, that probably too. And and uh, Wolverine uh, or The Wolverine Unrated Edition. That wasn't released in theaters. I thought it was re-released. Was like it? for like a weekend. I thought it was really released for a weekend. It probably was limited. It probably was limited. Um, Speaking of, of of it, right, and all that shit that's garbage about it, and, and the fucking fact that all the kids in my theater love this fucking movie, it, it, it Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2, I realized this is it. You know what this is? This is starter horror. This is horror for your children when you want to show them R-rated horror, but you want it just safe enough. Just safe enough that it doesn't doesn't go too far one way or the other. Yeah, and I get I got that from the audience. I think the stuff with Bev in the first one goes into a place where it's it's still hard R, but it is all suggested. You don't it see is. anything happen, but it is what they suggest is something you would not have in a PG thirteen world. It, everything everything else, all the graphic violence could be toned down, but that plot line you can't do PG thirteen. You're right. What they suggest essentially is abusive parents. They suggest verbally abusive parents, essentially in Mike with his granddad, like, you know, making him kill and, you know, talking to him until he fucking kills and telling him to be a man. Spiritually abusive parents with Stanley, with his dad telling him essentially he has to be a good Jew and fucking, you know, nail his bar mitzvah. Mentally abusive with Eddie, with his mother, essentially, uh, what is it called? It's uh, a... uh, uh, Munchausen, Munchausen by proxy. Yeah, yeah. Munchausen by proxy. Munchausen is if you do it to yourself by proxy. It, that's only else. implied because it never overtly says she's making. Never it overtly sick. correct. It could be overprotective. Yeah. Um, sexually abusive to Bev, right? That one's his, her the father. most dark, and obviously, yep. yeah. Emotionally abusive to Bill, the way they like tell him how he has to like not care about his brother missing, has to give it up, and all that stuff. And they're never around there for him to be there for him emotionally. Yeah. They're just always absent emotionally. Physically abusive to Henry, his dad fucking firing bullets at him yeah. because he fucking you know was screwing around with the gun. Granted, he was gonna shoot his friend holding a cat, <laughs> but that was fucked up as shit. But the parents yeah. are fucked up. The parents are all fucked up. With Henry, it's not like that's often the thing. Like, oh, the serial killer was made by years of abuse. But with that one, it's kind of like, was he being abused because he was already a serial killer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he has that hated, really fucking hated him. Because those bullies, like Henry, are fucked up. Okay. So 1988, Henry Bowers, he attacks Ben, right? Once we talked about that, cars the H in his stomach. Yeah. But he attacks Mike three times as a young boy. He attacks him by driving a car and almost hitting him in the alleyway while Mike's having his vision. He almost attacks Mike in the forest when he almost kills him right after he has his attack on Ben. And then he attacks Mike at the well house where he's the only one he focuses on he's on killing Mike. Huh. Then he attacks Mike in, in, the, in the future, right? Huh. Well, that's the one where he kill, uh, gets the hatchet in the back of the head. Yes, yes. He, he dies. Yeah, the running over the car was like one of the many minutes times in, in it, uh, the first one. I was like, okay, well, this is a little over the top with your fucking a little hair. yeah a little bit over the top but uh, especially like but it chapter two goes way over the top especially with there's no being no manhunt for henry bowers <laughs> i hate how they have the whole ending in chapter one where they realize as kids as fucking like 12 year olds or whatever the fuck they are and they're just like we hate you it fuck you bitch and they're like hitting him with the fucking bats and weapons are finding all over the place around them and yeah. pipes and shit and then 
and then they just like forget this major device on how to beat the boss battle that they have to go back through a whole fucking video game. Essentially, oh, you're about, yeah, the fact that like, back the, there. The, the solution in the end was just to not be afraid of it, and then you win. It's which stupid. Is how the first one wins? How they win the first one? The difference between the first one and the second one is that when he falls into the pit, they should have just chased him deeper. Yeah. They didn't go deep enough. That's all it was. Yeah, let's just wait 27 years. Oh, wait, you should have followed him in the pit and gone deeper. Yeah, they should have figured out a new thing that they, that they didn't have. It was Superman time. 2 all over again. The Richard Donner cut. Oh, where he just goes around the world again. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. it's just like, what the fuck? He's just going around the world again? Is this how he's going to solve all the movies? Yeah, he I was, just, I was around the very world? disappointed by that. And yes, you're yeah, right. Had they simply ha- had them kill it in the first one there would be absolutely no one thinking well they would because you know the the book but they it, it just as a standalone movie no one would have been like where's the rest of the story because it's like it feels like it's it completes itself it, it has there's yeah. forces on everything and especially uh, since the ritual of chewed has no bearing at all and it's the whole plot of the movie get these tokens because yes. this ritual is the only way to kill it all the tokens then are meaningless it means nothing it means and nothing they're, they're the pointing end. out that it's, it, it, it doesn't really make sense as they're doing it when they're like, well, a lot of the stuff we're putting in here won't actually burn. I love that. It's like, well, I love <laughs> that. But that was like Tony Stark, right? That was like Marvel. Yeah. Like that's like that's like having those those like Star Lord characters or Rocket Raccoon characters interjecting all of a sudden. No, it was. Yes, yeah. Uh, and one of the things they burn is a rock from the rock fight in the first one, which is another thing. Was, I'm just like, with blood rock on fights it? aren't it... fun and frivolous. Rock fight. No, but but there was blood on the rock. Did they go across the river and get the rock while fucking Henry was bleeding? Because I remember that scene. They all walked away while Henry was bleeding out on the shore of the other side of the river. Yeah, yeah. The, that, that's... When did they get the rock? She, she went back for the rock at some point. 27 years later? <laughs> I guess young Bev, but Hey, like the last thing we need was another scene, but like explaining where the thing came from. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Oh my God. Well, I thought it was, I, 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 in general, I thought most of this movie felt horrible. Um, I couldn't understand why, why this movie existed. And, um, I, 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 I think it's a garbage story probably. And that's pop. And they, they try to do it justice. And the rea- reality is Stephen King sucks at times. So whatever. Okay. Felk. So, Let's get into the Losers Club real quick. Like it, love it, gotta have it. Let's go over the characters. I kind of just want to get an idea of, like, who you identify with or who you enjoyed out of the uh, uh, both films. Yeah, okay. Okay? So, Bill, played by James McAvoy and Jaden Martell. Jaden Martell was the younger Bill. He's the Sutter kid. He has a wife, I guess. She's in the first scene of Chapter 2, and then she's gone. She plays a big part in the book, as I understand it. Uh, Oh, really? People are confused as to why she's even in the movie, considering they cut every other scene uh, with her. She's not in the fucking movie. It's a double double triangle, because Bill has a love triangle with his wife, but also Bev, while also not knowing that Bev is having a love triangle with him and Fat Kid turned hot. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But they eliminated that part, and they just have this confusing thing where he's also cheating on his wife by kissing Jessica Chastain. Right, yeah, and then she's kind of cheating on her husband, even though she just kind of divorced him unofficially. Um, Okay, but anyways, like it, love it, gotta have it for Bill. Uh, Like it. My whole thing with Bill is when I was watching it, I'm like, well, the lead kid from uh, the other thing that seems a lot like this thing I'm watching now, Stranger Things, is this is like the comic relief character. I don't like that a character I associate with being the leader 
is now the comic relief, and we've got a new leader who stutters. Which is nothing wrong with stuttering. It's just there's a big difference between a person with a stutter and an actor pretending to have a stutter. And he right, seems yeah. like he's pretending to have a. He never quite sold the stutter. McAvoy did a better job. But you, so you like it? You said. Yeah, I'll give him like it. Yeah, I'll give Bill in the end a love it. I thought uh, both actors did an okay job. Um, nothing spectacular. Everyone did, you know, showed up and worked. So it's great, <laughs> great enough to love it. Moving yeah. on, Ben, fat kid. Now the hottest man around played by Jay Ryan, the hottest man around and Jeremy Ray Taylor, the fat kid felt yeah. like it. Love it. Got to have it for Ben. Uh, I guess love it. And, and here's why. Uh, I, I feel like it's a weird symmetry because I'm, I, I don't think that's in the book that he gets hot. I, that was, uh, Oh really? Uh, John Ritter from the fucking TV movie. So like, right. They, they didn't really, uh, they didn't really cast him as being a hot buff dude or nor was he that fat in the fucking, uh, when they were kids. Uh, so this one, they, they, they went really hard with the, uh, he's fat and then he, he gets, uh, hunky. And I kind of wonder if that's an allusion to, uh, the fat kid from, uh, stand by me another Stephen King ad adaptation mm. who got hot in real life because he's Jerry O'Connell. Right. Yeah. You know who I thought actually be a great, uh, person to play the fat kid in the updated chapter two before they cast it was Jason Bateman. I thought he'd do a good job with the character. And he seemed like the fat kid seemed a lot like him. Um, I, I'm fine with it. Um, I, I actually identify with the fat kid more than I identified, obviously, with the uh, hot dude because I'm not the hot dude. Mm -hmm. But I was that fat kid. And I also like books and I liked researching. And uh, I had a group of friends, I guess, like him. But I was the fat kid, I guess, in some form of fashion. I don't know. I identified with him. I enjoyed his story. And I liked how he had the plot development to Derry. Like he gave us the access to to what happened in the past dairy in chapter one. So that's, that's the reasons I like that character the most. Yeah. Um, that's why privilege. He took, he took that storyline from the black kid. He did. Oh my God. That's weird. For Ben, I'll give him a gotta have it. Cause he's hot and he's fat. Moving on to the black kid, Mike, Isaiah Mustafa, the old spice guy, but as a young boy, Wait, was he chosen. That's yeah. The old spice commercials. That's the old spice guy. Huh, I didn't realize that. Okay, that's neat. He's, he's also an NFL football player, right? You know, he's great. But as a kid, he's played as Chosen Jacobs. For Mike, I will give him a love it because I, fucking Old Spice. I love those Old Spice commercials. But he didn't really, in Chapter 2, he didn't really do anything special. And in Chapter 1, he really didn't do anything special. It, well, it wasn't like the best acting. It was okay. He did a good he, job. He doesn't there. do really anything of consequence in the first one. Um, and his storyline kind of doesn't like tie in with the other characters that well. But then the second one, he has he has a lot of importance. He's the driving factor. He's the one that calls Absolutely. everybody and reunites everybody and introduces the ritual of Chud and, and sets up the ritual of Chud. And then the ritual of Chud but turns he lies out to be to everyone. meaningless. He's like and a he liar. knew it wasn't going to work. So I'm going to give him a like it. Um, I give him a love it mostly because I did not expect much from Old Spice and he held himself up with fucking people like Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy and Bill Hader and so forth. Okay, moving on to Bill Hader. Richie Mouthy Kid played yeah. by Bill Hader and Finn Wolfhard as a young Richie. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. Oscar winner Chicken Dinner Felk that Bill Hader is so amazing as the role of Richie in this movie that people are thinking he's going to get Oscar gold. Comic relief. Maybe he'll get a Best Supporting Actor nomination, but I don't see that happening. Um, did you like Bill Hader in this movie? Loved him. I thought it was great. I'm going to give him Gotta Have It. 
Oh, really? I didn't think uh, anything special. I thought he showed up to work just like everyone else. I'll give him a gotta love it. But I really was <laughs> like, okay, Bill Hader's like fucking like just like Bill Hader. Like, Do you I like Bill understand. Hader outside of this? I, mean, I love Bill bad. Hader. I love documentary now. Mm-hmm. I fucking love documentary now. I love Skeleton Twins. I love fucking Barry. I love Bill Hader. I haven't okay? seen Barry. But Jesus Christ, he was just Bill Hader in this movie. He was. That's true. Let's get off the Bill Hader suck dick train. What the fuck? I think think it's ridiculous. A a lot of people who have not seen Bill Hader in a movie are seeing him in a movie and being like, oh, he's funny. He was. I guess. Yeah. um, He's Bill Hader. I think he was the highlight of the movie still, though, because he genuinely made me laugh and he's good at like line delivery. And I have to imagine some of that punch up is, is him. Uh, just coming up with shit on the fly, uh, at least in terms of his reactions. But Apparently, yeah, no, I, he did an Al Pacino impression that he does a lot, and then he had uh, the director Andy cut it out because he was like, "Dude, that's old hat. Like I've done that way too much. Please cut it out." So that sounds like improv to me. Hmm. And he plays a stand-up comedian, which is like right. But that was kind of well done, honestly. I gotta say that part was fun. I, I like when he got the phone call, he just puked it out, and then he ran right onto the set, and he's all, like, fucked up. He's all, like, his head is swirling, right? right. He's not in it at all, and he's just right there. He's got to his set, and he's just like, uh, I, I forgot my joke. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll bring this up after we go go through the uh, the names. The rest of the, the losers? No, no, just the just the just what I'm going to say about uh, Bill Hader's character. But, okay, it's implied in a flashback with a de-aged Finn Wolfhard. Uh, that uh, his character is, is is gay, and this is something that he's hiding and is really tormenting him. Now, in in 1988, when he was a young young boy, I'm sure this was something really you know he had to keep secret internal, and it was it was really hard. But he's a 38 year old man now. Yep. And he's a uh, famous in dude in 2019. No, no, no. Wait, this movie is in 2019. Let's be clear. This movie is uh, da, 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 2016. Okay. The math still is in no, favor. No, Me Too hasn't happened. Me Too hasn't happened yet. Got to think about it a little bit. Uh, the normalization of being openly gay happened before Me Too. They're kind, they're, there's light intersectionality sure no i but, know uh, but let's just i'm just saying keep it in perspective we were on the brink of a lot of shit but like there was still a lot of issues there were some issues but i think you would be fine being openly gay as a stand-up comedian in 2019 as oh, evidenced sure. by several for openly sure. gay stand-up comedians for um, sure for sure for sure no there's none there are zero. <laughs> there will never be a stand-up comedian that's gay. It's impossible. Gay people. If you're funny. if you're a lesbian and a stand-up comedian, you cannot tell a single joke and still but have be one my of the highest-rated Netflix specials of stand-up comedy, where you just talk about how men have wronged you through, throughout the entirety of it. I think who, Bill Hader's who? character would have been fine. I'm talking about Hannah Gatsby. Oh, Hannah, you minks. Yeah. Um. Okay. Moving on to Eddie hypochondriac kid played in the adult form as James Ranson and Very played good in the kid form as Jack Dylan Grazer. Right. Really good casting. Um, he's stuck with overprotective women. It's the same actress who played his mom, played his wife, Molly Atkinson. She looks, she looks a lot better at playing the wife though. <laughs> she does. Well, they, they made her look so nasty as the mom. Yeah. Um, I give this kid in the end, a gotta love it. 
showed up to work. Everyone showed up to work as a character. I thought he was funny. I thought he was also surrounded by a lot of joke moments that felt flat in chapter two. I guess um, the the kid is better than the material because we know from yeah. he, he he's he steals every scene in Shazam. He's like he's fantastic in Shazam. I love watching Shazam. By the way, I've watched it several times. And, and um, that movie's got scarier moments than it chapter two, honestly. Very true for especially with PG thirteen rating. Um, that said, it is weird to get back to back. I mean, I'm sure he's been in other things, but back to back. Uh, what's his name? Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah. Uh, adult versions that contradict because it's like well wait a minute when he grows up he looks like adam brody <laughs> no 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 adam brody is wrong casting for jack dylan grazer no no sure. i agree this kid's better this kid's better yeah but uh, or this adult this, guy, this 38 this year old yeah, yeah. <laughs> who I, i've not seen in his other movies but i know he's been in some other things he's in the insidious he's definitely movies. been in some kind of hbo shit or something right he's I mean, a, he, like, well he's in the insidious movies too so he has oh, okay uh, well, well, speaking of Insidious, the Jew kid, Stanley, played by adult form Andy Bean and the young form Wyatt Olaf, he was once again, as we like to say, suicide for the win. Um, I never really cared for Stanley at all in the first film or in the second film, and I give Stanley a gotta like it. What was the Insidious segue? Jews are just Insidious, that's all. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um. <laughs> What do you got? What do you got for Stanley? Fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, like it, like it, right? Like it. I have like nothing it, to then. say about Stanley. Say like it. like it then. You say like, I like it. it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, you did. And finally, best for last. Yeah. Beverly, definitely. Jessica Chastain, oh, okay. Sophia Lelius, girl kid. She yeah. stuck with abusive men, I guess. It's her thing. So basically. The first movie, okay, maybe just because she had an abusive dad, she's then drawn to abusive men. That's a yeah. that that's the kind of thing that you could get away with writing a book in 1988 on cocaine, but in 2019, it seems a little weird. It's almost blaming the victim that like sh she's drawn to abusive men uh, now. At least. <laughs> it's like victim blaming. <laughs> It, it, and again, that is the worst scene in the movie, I think. Is, is right, because the, the turn, once husband. again, the turn is so fucked up. He, he just, it, it's just like, what, like just show all this time she knew he was abusive, but this is the first time. If this is yeah. a reoccurring thing, why is she acting like, whoa, I got to get out of here not, now? But it's not because as soon as it happens, she takes the fucking ring off and bounces. Yeah. Like, so it's, 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 it's a little weird. It's like that. That implies it's like the only time he's gone that crazy. It's a non sequitur. It's the weirdest fucking thing out of nowhere. It, and then yeah, it even it, implies later when she's like unwilling to admit that she's already like left him because he abused her. She's like, yeah, we're still married and we like have the best fucking like clothing line in the world. Whatever. I kept uh, waiting for her to wake up and be like next to him. And then she realizes that she needs to go to dairy or something. I was just like, I, this isn't really happening. Oh, OK. That that all oh, really, really you thought it was all in Jessica Chastain's like head for like the first 30 minutes. When was it, when did you finally give up? No, 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 no. Just that just that one scene where he was attacking her. I thought that that was her dream. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Not every not every scene that followed it. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're like, what is it going to cut? Just her, just her and the abusive husband. I thought, like, okay, this is this is too over the top. But nope, that was they really thought that was happening. And again, if we're using the you're, you said this earlier, when, if we're using yep. the excuse that it's making things in dairy people in dairy go crazy, but they're in like New York or some shit. I, I don't think it's Wi-Fi reaches there. That's why she forgot no. everything. 
No, it's yeah, it's weird. It's yeah, but they talk about that. It's very very clear, right? That like that's not the case because they're like the further you get away, the blurrier dairy becomes. Yeah. The blurrier in your memories. All right. Well, okay, for the sake of it, he's not the losers club, but like it, love it, gotta have it for Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, oh, a hard guard, gotta have it. Um, everybody likes Tim Curry and talks about his performance, but he just acts like a fucking dickhead clown. Bill Skarsgård plays Pennywise like a fucking otherworldly, like, be- demon beast who but can with occasionally... a lot of CGI. Yeah, yeah, but, but uh, I mean, the pra- I don't know if you see him in practical, like, he, 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 the, just the general Pennywise look is real on set. They didn't CG the forehead or anything, I don't think. It's all makeup. Um, and, and, uh, he, he, through that, he plays like he's playing some kind of creature that can occasionally just pass as like a weird clown to, to lure kids. I mean, it doesn't or really leper. make sense because even the, the, the little girl who sees him like under the waitress is like, yeah, you're a fucking scary ass clown. And he's like, oh no, but his performance is fucking great. I think he, that's a great scene for his performance too. Yeah. He get, he gives it, it all. I mean, I, I think it's really just that the material there works, but every time he's on scene, he, he, he works hard. And I just have to say Stellan Skarsgård has extremely talented, uh, semen. Yeah. Because Alexander all, is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he's got so many, there's, a, there's other ones we don't quick, quick, about. quick. I need, I need a fuck. No fuck for launch. Alexander Skarsgård. Sure. <laughs> i'm not sure i'm not sure what i'm doing but i'll still kind of agree to it just for the experience yeah i would i would i think i would fuck alexander skarsgård for launch because then my wife would think i'm really cool uh, who are the others there's there's a lot more skarsgårds yeah it's they're almost like hemsworths there's so many beautiful hemsworths and skarsgårds there's more skarsgårds than hemsworths so anyways um i would say oh felk hang on real quick felk what would you give pennywise tim curry though would you give him a like it love it gotta have it I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be judging them. I, I don't know, like it. I'd be judging them based on just like the clips I've seen, though. But I, I, I don't think that he's particularly scary. Stellan Skarsgård has eight children. Jesus Christ, Stellan. He, well, dude, they're Swedes. They can't stop fucking. Are you kidding me? Alexander, Gustav, Bill, and Walter are the, the four like primary ones. I would give Tim Curry a, as Pennywise, a love it because it is absolutely impactful and, you know, iconic. But I would give, I would give Bill Skarsgård a gotta have it as well. Even though he is acting through CGI, even if some of it is just motion capture, especially in Chapter Two, um, I really liked it. I like, I liked the way he was able to portray the clown. I loved the intimate scenes, and I wanted to see more, um, really of kind of, I guess Pennywise haunting people in Chapter Two that were unaware like 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 the scene in the beginning and also the scene in the middle uh second act with the little girl under the uh bleachers i would love to see more scenes where you saw pennywise's effect on the townspeople i did not care though for the scene with the little boy that he haunted after um uh bill showed interest i didn't really that was just that one fell flat because it was like in in this weird third act yeah in the fun house it just felt weird okay yeah um I agree that that scene does not work as well. And it's largely because it just feels like um, it's too drawn out. It, it, it just takes forever where he's just like, I'm going to get you yeah, in a yeah. second now. Yeah, I'm going to bang and James through James like, no, don't do it. And I'm like, yeah. it needs to have happened you know what, by now. It's been 30 seconds. You know seconds. what I was thinking that whole entire time? I was thinking to myself, my God, 
Bill, just yell at the kid, run out of here. Don't stay right here, kid. Just run away. Kid, why are you standing right next to the glass that's about to break? Run away. Come back where you came from. Return. Retrace your steps. Run away, kid. Like, what the fuck? Why was he just... I, it was stupid. It was stupid. Well, I, I, I assume that it was... Um, the creature, it, was manipulating the funhouse mirror to trap both of them there. That they couldn't well, just... Well, no, no. He didn't, like, trap Bill there. He trapped Bill from, like, going forward i thought but the kid, but the kid. Still, i don't know maybe okay maybe they didn't make that clear they definitely did not yeah no they did well you can't you can't see because it's, it's glass but yeah maybe the kid could just run left or right i mean it seems like that's how those, i thought he those could mazes work that's how those mazes I looked, work i actually looked at that scene and i looked and it looked like he could at least run back where he came like it didn't okay. look like he could he just panicked, I guess, like a little bitch in front of the fucking, like a doe in the headlights. It was like, oh my God, dude, you're going to get hit. That's you're going to get hit. Work. That's why the scene didn't work, yeah. Yeah, whatever. All right. Um. Uh. I. Okay, so quick question to you, Felk. Mm-hmm. Is it the pinnacle of Stephen King across all mediums, novels, television, cinema? And if not, what is to you? Uh. No, and Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, you think the novel Shawshank is or the short? Story I don't know. Is- That's true. I mean, I, I, you're, you're right. I don't know about the, the novel of it. So, is it a different one for each one, or is it a single thing? Well, think. I mean, like, like. So for me, like, I, I, I don't like, it, like it really. I guess in the end, other than chapter yeah. one, I never read the novel because I don't know how to read. But um, it like it just it seems like it must be the pinnacle because it is like novel wise, television wise, and cinema wise. It seems to be the most impactful across the board. It seems to be the one that has the lasting effect, where people seem yeah. to be like Tim Curry, this and the novels, a thousand plus pages, cocaine, fucking madness, and oh my god, these movies made a ton of movie. I mean, it chapter one and it chapter two both really did incredible numbers box office wise they did yeah end. no they're they're the number one and two september openings i think yeah so it's fucking i mean they're they're they are an island on their own when it comes to like stephen king material i think in a way it's kind of odd to me i don't understand why because i don't really care for it no i i i agree but i think it's it's just more it's branding you know I mean, a clown like the 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 scary clown that they, they it has that. Yeah, it does. the number two scary clown is John Wayne Gacy. You know, like and then oh. Ronald and look how popular Ronald McDonald is. Dude, you know, look like, how popular John Wayne is, man. He had drawings and paintings that people like actually go out of their way to go hunt down and buy that he made in prison. I'm just saying, like, there was an actual person who dressed up, up like a clown and fucking killed right? and ate children in re- in real life. And yet, oh, if yeah. you hear scary clown, you probably think, oh, the thing Stephen King created. Felk, do you know how John Wayne Gacy started? No, I don't think I want to know. Felk, it's fucked up. So, dude, this is it. This is where Murder Boner comes from. All right, so... John Wayne Gacy was in, like, I think Chicago and picked up some transient boy that was just traveling to and from big cities. I think he was maybe gay. I can't remember, to be honest. I don't want to imply. But I think think he was probably a little bit. Anyway, so (laughs) um, John Wayne Gacy picked him up from a bus station or some shit and brought him home for the night. The boy slept downstairs, and John Wayne Gacy slept upstairs, up in his bed. The next morning, John Wayne Gacy woke up to the boy standing in his doorway— of his bedroom with a knife in his hand. John Wayne Gacy freaked out that the boy was going to kill him, took the knife from the kid, 
I think stabbed him to death, maybe choked him to death too in the process because you don't just die from stab wounds. You have to like bleed out. I think Edmund Kemper is the one who said you have to leak to death. Um, so he like, I think maybe choked the kid too. And then he realized he fucking got horny doing it. And he got a huge murder boner. He went downstairs and realized the kid was holding a knife because he was making breakfast for John Wayne Gacy as a nice act for having him over for the night. The kid was making breakfast. He was not going to kill John Wayne. But John Wayne Gacy freaked the fuck out and went crazy thinking he was going to die, killed the kid, got the boner, and then decided to go kill more people and would talk around, uh, talk about it around police officers in the bar um, at his local bar and police officers would hear the shit and just pass it off as just talk and not give a fucking shit. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And he did a whole thing where he was like a construction, some kind of contractor. He would bring people in and that's how he started lubering boys. And then he buried them in his basement and backyard. Maybe I think maybe I was only bringing up John Wayne Gacy to mention the fact that um, Stephen King's fictional creation is, is somehow, um, both scarier, but also more famous than the real thing that it may have been loosely inspired by. Wait, you're moving into Easter eggs because here's another Easter egg thing. Is it a true story? Possibly. Have you ever heard about this? The autobiographicalness of it? No. Okay. So here's the whole thing, right? Stephen King always puts himself into his stories. Um, he is yeah. Bill just happened to grow up to be a writer. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. He's cameoed in his movies, but he puts himself actually in his stories. So a lot of people believe that maybe Bill, though, might be autobiographical and that even Stephen King is, you know, awaiting the return of Pennywise. Did you know that? In 2038, Stephen King is preparing for the reawakening. So here on Reddit, I have found this whole Reddit conspiracy fan theory about it and Stephen King. And Felk, you should read it for us. It is not a work of fiction, and Stephen King is actually stuttering Bill Timborough. <gasps> what? <clears throat> so the fan theory, which I believe is, uh, which is posted by user Brownsnake84. Sounds like he's got a big dick. Black probably or, or brown. <laughs> um, yeah, was it was it brown snake moan or black snake moan? Black snake moan. Is that a, is that about a dick? I don't even know. Is that is that what a, is that what you do when you uh, you get fucked by a big BBC? No, black snake moan refers to that crazy like when a girl is crazy for dick. Oh, she's uh, crazy for that black snake. Yeah. Uh, the theory. She the took theory our goes, black root. King received the King received the call from Mike Hanlon in 1984 and returned to Maine, where the events in the book unfold. He sought out assistance from federal authorities to investigate dairy in the late in late 1984, but met with several failed attempts. And by mid 1985, began to collect. <laughs> is this, the tense is going back and forth. Begun to collect his memories with the help of Ben Hanscom to create a permanent work to reference. With his recollections now fading due to the shapeshifter's mental effects on adults, he attempted to write the document by 1986. The effects of Pennywise on King and Hanscom were nearly complete, and the document became another Stephen King horror novel with some storytelling <gasps> to provide narration. In reality, wow. he was born in Portland, Maine, and moved away when he was young with his mother, capitalized, and older brother, after abandonment by his father and witnessing, 
a fatal trade accident of a play friend. Oh my God! This, this what not was written that? by someone whose English is for a first language. I think he returned at age eleven. Wide pussies to Maine from Con. It's Connecticut. <laughs> We're abbreviating Connecticut, maybe because he didn't know how to spell Connecticut. He Probably. returned at age eleven from Maine to Connecticut, from like to Maine from Connecticut, and founded the Losers Club in Derry after unsuppressing the true death of his little friend by the railway tracks when he was two, as told <gasps> in his 1984 book Dan's Macabre. 81, 81, 1981 book Don's Don's Macabre. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, I don't know. It may be spelled wrong. Now living in between Lovell and Bangor, King Bangor, Maine! regularly past Derry near Derry Mountain in Lincolnville. Uh-huh. Lincoln's spelled wrong. Uh, or, or maybe Lincolnville is spelled it that way. Uh, and recollect most of the past due Okay, and recollect most of the past due to the closer proximity and is preparing for Pennywise's plural (laughs) awakening in 2038. Boom! Boom! That is a fucking mic drop you just did, Phil. He is preparing for Pennywise's awakening in 2030. I've been to Bangor, Maine. Let me tell you, I've been to Stephen King's home. Yes, I was back in a ride-sharing app back in, like, 2014 or whatever the fuck. 2015, maybe. Huh? And the dude knew Stephen King and drove us to his house. Stephen King wasn't there. But we smoked a joint out on the fucking uh, uh, sidewalk out in front. And, and it was it was great. Stephen King's house literally is exactly what you think Stephen King's house would be. It is haunted looking. It looks fucking creepy. It's got an iron gate with a whole bunch of iron fucking shit all over it. A bunch of iron work. It, it, it's exactly what you would think. It's beautiful, though. Um, Bangor, Maine is amazing. Bangor, Maine is clearly in It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. I think most like a things, most of the things I saw in It Chapter 2 uh, was the B-roll, like I mentioned earlier. And I think they shot otherwise. Yeah, not there. But... um. There are moments that are just so super clearly Bangor. When I look at it, I'm just like, oh, my God, that's Bangor. That's so Bangor. Hmm. But uh, I-, I liked Bangor. It's a nice little place. Okay. Blueberry never been beer. I've never been. Lots of lobster. I ate a lot of lobster there. But I think the most important thing here is that King is preparing for the Pennywises to reawaken in 2038. Yeah. This is a real thing. This actually happened. He's Bill. He's stuttering Bill. Probably not. I mean, there was no sources cited for any of that, and, and it was very clear as to what was uh, the, a crazy person's theory and what was like based on real facts. Oh, I don't know. Would you say that his cameo in this movie is only confirmation of this exact? No, his cameo theory? in this movie is because he likes to do cameos because he was doing oh, the Stanley thing. Oh Stanley. no, I don't think so. <laughs> I loved it though because it was they they referenced the whole can't write an ending like that was good like I don't I I don't yeah, that know scene was Stephen good I, well. I enjoyed that whole scene even though it yeah. added nothing to the story other than to have I, Stephen King there I don't know Stephen King very well like as a person I don't know him I never met him but um, as an author I never read him so I don't know him either but I've heard from friends yeah the whole joke that he can't write an ending and I thought that was amusing throughout the movie but it was Jesus it got heavy handed to the point when Stephen King was saying it. I didn't like the ending. Give me a fucking break. I'm over it. I'm over this goddamn joke. That was the last time it was referenced, though. So they didn't. Was it? No, because does, don't they don't they talk about when Mike calls him? He's like, I think if I oh, yeah. got an ending now, yeah. Mike, I did it. Endings? Uh. 
And isn't it weird that the whole group of white kids forgot the black guy back in their hometown and like no one ever called him and all of a sudden he calls people. They're like, Mike who? Who is this? It's like, dude, your your only black friend? Come on, as white people, you would know who your only black friend is. Like, come on. No. Yeah. You would know. You'd be like, oh yeah, Mike. Mike. That's my right. Bestest. Yeah, the guy that I always refer to to all my other friends who are white. The guy I respect so much. Yeah, Mike. What up, Mike? Mikey Mike. Mikey Mike Mike Mikey Mike Mike Mike. So um the other big Easter egg other than Stephen King being in this movie, I guess, is there's a turtle at the school. I didn't even know. That's supposed to represent the fucking turtle in the book or some shit. I may have gone to urinate at that scene. Yeah, there was a school at one point and there was a turtle in it. And I was like, even myself, I know there's a turtle supposed to be in it. And it wasn't in the TV series or some shit. And um, I think I heard about this when chapter one came out. And I was like, okay. So I'm like waiting this whole movie. Like, are there, is there going to be a moment where they're going to go to see a fucking giant turtle in space? And I had my fingers crossed and my fucking like toes crossed, my dick crossed. And I was just like, oh, any minute we're going to see this space giant turtle. I thought there would be, well, it was during the ritual of Chud stuff because. So those yeah. were Native Americans, right? But they look like aliens? What was that about? No, they did the, some weird, like, uh, Krampus-style fucking, like, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows-style animation where, like, yeah, it's they, different. They could have slipped a giant turtle in there. In there, All that shit was so fucking weird anyway. Why not? I thought, I, in fact, I was watching that specifically for a giant turtle, and I don't think I ever saw one. I don't think I did either. I mean, it's probably, there's, there's like, a, maybe there's a silhouette like they did with Galactus and Fantastic yeah, Four no. or some shit. Did you see the turtle in the clouds? Yeah, it was dumb. All right. Um, yeah, so that, that's all the Easter eggs I give a fucking shit about. Other than, guess what, Felk? What? Pennywise is homophobic. Oh, yeah. Well, more so the fact that we expected him to be really pro-gay rights, uh, apparently. Uh, he better be. He better be fucking pro-gay rights. Okay, so these, the, the headline of an article from Out is, Pennywise is surprisingly anti-queer in It Chapter 2. But read the, uh, read the subheader. Read the subheader after, under, <laughs> no pun intended, Bill Header. The killer clown <laughs> isn't the ally we thought he was. By Rose Damu. Uh, that's the part that surprises me, is, is that, uh, yeah, so the whole thing is they talk about uh, how, you know, the Babadook <laughs> became yeah, the a Babadook. gay icon for some <laughs> And, and the line here, but after seeing it, chapter two, I'm sad to announce that Pennywise is not gay or even an ally. In fact, him. Pennywise is surprisingly anti-queer. Now, this is Fuck not it. a uh, this is not a parody article, as near as I can tell. It, this it is the onion. This is the onion. This is the onion. This is out magazine. The, oh, the no, this one. is out.com. Oh, my what? God. Oh, this is an outhouse daily. This is out.com. Yeah. Uh, Felk, this is serious shit. I need to know more about my community. Tell me. He's an alien demon clown who eats children, and they seem to be disappointed that he uh, he refers Fuck to it. being gay as a dirty little secret. <laughs> you know what I love, Felk? It goes back to our Game of Thrones uh, finale conversation we had. Um, it's the idea that people were naming their children Danny and Daenerys and like all that shit. They're like, she's beautiful, not realizing, oh, yeah. oh wait, she's just fucking Middle Earth's Hitler or whatever the fuck it's called, and Westeros Hitler. Like, uh, no. I'm sorry that I named my kid that. Why did I do that? You know, it's like, give me a break. Yeah. I named my child Arya. Oh, wait, Arya's a what? A fucking senseless fucking assassin? Oh, Arya's shit. still pretty heroic. 
But who oh, named their kid shit. Pennywise and then got mad? What's your point? The people, someone named their kid Pennywise and then it was like, oh, no. wait, Pennywise is homophobic. Oh, no. I just love – I love people attaching all of this fucking social cultural weight to characters in the pop culture that don't necessarily deserve it and then being upset by it. I just love it. I love it. It's like it's well, like Pennywise is a pro gay character. Oh shit! What he did? What now? Oh wait! Didn't oh Pennywise killed some fucking gay dudes and then hates this other gay guy and he's gonna out this other gay guy in this movie? Fuck Pennywise! I still don't know how Babadook became a gay icon. Oh, I don't. Oh yeah, it was the whole meme. Felk. Speaking of gay memes and clown memes, I looked a little deeper. Click on the link here. Clown World. It's apparently even darker and more sinister than we thought. What is this? I don't know. I don't even think I want rational wiki in my fucking browser history. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Uh, Clown World or Heil Honker is an alt-right propaganda meme. The Honkler <laughs> image first appeared on 4chan in February 2019. Clown World and Honkler are part of the alt-right effort to obfuscate huh, racism and hate with seemingly innocuous memes. Uh, it's, it's it's Pepe with a fucking clown. Uh, Pepe the frog, yeah. The clown frog on him. I don't know if that has anything to do with um, Pennywise, the, the clown. Uh, well, you know what it is? It shows that there's some connection with clowns and homophobia. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, in general, just in, in, in the in the real world, too. Uh, pe professional clowns are, are mm -hmm. weird people. If you meet someone who's like, I want to be a clown. Yeah, fucking why? We, I mean, the the likely next spoiler cast we do, uh, unless there's something I'm forgetting between here and then, is going to be for Joker, and uh, Ooh. that's that's also about a fucking insane person who dresses up like a clown. Maybe homophobic, also. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you want to go on, Clown World continues. Clown World was a phrase used in subculture from about 2015. Its users claim it simply means that the Western world is so crazy in its embrace of social justice politics, read not racist, that the only people who could conceivably be running it are Jews. I mean, clowns. Hence, clown world. In reality, countries without closed borders and which don't allow for the genocide of minorities are clown countries because they don't embrace the policies of the Third Reich. The phrase started being heavily promoted on the Right Stuff's podcast, The Daily Show, uh, in 2017. Felk, this is all because of it. Chapter two, possibly, and back in 2015. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the timelines don't make up. That makes sense. But could it? Chapter two. Could Andy Muschietti, the director of it, chapters one and two, be a follower of Clown World? Allegedly. Probably not. <laughs> oh my God! I, hopefully, this contrarian view gets us more listens. I'm not sure what the point is. <laughs> more listens yeah. <laughs> all right who knows well, so we, yeah we have one final tidbit that's what i find interesting in this whole situation by the way i just want to go back yeah the whole homophobic thing that actually in this film that's real and not the bullshit that felt just brought up from out.com and their <laughs> sensationalism um killing of charlie howard is literally what King used for inspiration for the characters in the film in the beginning, and that shit is fucked up, and that cannot happen again, and never again, and never forget. What are you talking about? <laughs> the, the the clown killing them? 
or no, or actual... Charlie Howard is the real life person who died. Oh yeah, of course. The, the, yeah, no, I, I I think most people Ugh. take a pretty unanimous stance that that's horrible and and awful. Um, but also, people would might take the stance that you know turning that into uh, fodder for uh, a, a horror movie about a, a scary interdimensional clown is right. is, is, is somewhat disrespectful. Alcom continues. But what really cements Pennywise's bigotry is his treatment of Richie, Bill Hader, who is revealed to be closeted and in love with his childhood friend, Eddie, uh, James Aww. Ransom. When Richie sets off to Derry's arcade to procure a token for the ritual to defeat it once and for all, which turns out to be a literal arcade token, he, reminis he reminisces about being called a fag as a I thought child. It was, honestly, I thought it was faggot. I thought he called him faggot, though. Uh, maybe uh, Finn Wolfhard returns his younger incarnation uh, by bully turned sociopath Henry Bowers. Uh, yeah. Then he's attacked by a giant Paul Bunyan statue and eventually Pennywise himself. The killer clown isn't content to just threaten Richie with violence. Instead, he reveals that he knows Richie's secret, his dirty little secret <gasps> is gay. Probably he doesn't just say it. He sings it. The song even appears on the album soundtrack. It does. <laughs> I know your secret, your dirty little secret. I know your secret, your dirty little secret. Coming for all the pop girls next, I see. Out's got out is weird. Uh, so Pennywise isn't just the physical manifestation of what is revealed to be some kind of cosmic entity that feeds off fear and human flesh, he's a homophobe. Trump's Fucking America asshole. strikes again. Again, this is not an Onion article. This is a, this is a, the out.com. But the, out the, funny, the funny thing is, is that uh, Pennywise is actually not homophobic because he doesn't discriminate about what kind of, whether he wants, he eats straight fear or, 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 or uh, homosexual uh, fear. It's the whole point of the movie that he doesn't do that. That he doesn't he doesn't have a bigotry or a prejudice. He just fucking indiscriminately is going to kill and look have have fucking adults look the other direction while he yeah. chomps away on children. Yeah, he he uses uh, societal uh, fear uh, to well that up so he can eat. I guess he eats fear. It's it's very vague, but um, he's he's strengthened. Uh, his power is strengthened like Superman's from the yellow sun. He gets it from fear. Yeah, but he definitely doesn't uh, personally discriminate. <laughs> I, but he, I think he enjoys eating children. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think their fear is the most like nourishing to him. Right. So the whole reason that being the case is that it chapter one was going to have a deleted scene in you know? which Pennywise actually w ate a baby in the 1600s. And it was a whole scene involving a mother showing up to the well house, right? The, if you remember from chapter one, Ben, when he's uh, the fat kid, is in the library before he has his whole moment with the with the clown or the technically the headless body. Yeah. Um, he uh, sees a painting on the wall of an old of a lady carrying a baby running towards a house in the distance. That's the well house. That's the girl. So, it chapter one was supposed to have a scene, and it was probably going to take place then. It was going to be a flashback to that woman, that girl, they cut it out of the movie and they ended up uh, saying that they're going to put it into chapter two at some point is probably a prologue. Here's what happened. Bill Skarsgård said that there was a scene that was super fucked up. He filmed that he doesn't think it was going to air. 
Mm-hmm. And I think Andy Muschietti mentioned it too. And the people who were going to audition for the role of Pennywise read a scene similar, and they got access to an actual scene like uh, like that was printed out. Well, there's a photo that actually exists of Bill Skarsgård in this makeup. Hmm, that was yeah. a promotional photo that we have here, Phil, right? It's him all in red makeup, essentially. This is yeah. from the scene. So they filmed the scene, but they didn't put it into either film. The reason they didn't put it in either film is I think something we touched on earlier. This might be introduction, like starter horror, right? So yeah. you don't want what's about to happen to be involved in starter horror. This is stuff from the witch. Yeah, like, that's what I was like, saying. It reminds me of the – I think they, they pulled it because it's too much like the witch. It is the witch, right? 1637 interior well house night abigail 19 rushes in and slams the door and she's fucking carrying her baby it's the painting and all of a sudden she's in there she's trying to like you know get uh, get the baby to be quiet and she's blowing on a, a fire in the corner to get it going in a hearth or some shit and they're all of a sudden they're you know, in the shadows a, a fucking like you know, a twitchy little silhouette is apparently like you know like going crazy and trying to catch a form of some sort and she looks over at it and she yells at it something like you know please devil leave us be and it shapeshifts again, and a beam of light passes by it from, like, the, a chandelier or some shit above it. And it reveals Pennywise naked, you know, flesh pale, translucent, a half-formed imitation of a human. Opens his maw, full of enlarged, razor-sharp teeth, dripping with saliva. As the tin can spins clockwise, Pennywise moves counter around the room. Each time the light hits his face, it's different. A man, a woman, a beast, a monster. So what happens is, is Pennywise essentially demands of this woman that, you know... I'm not the devil, I'm the eater of worlds, something he says in the film a lot, right? But the woman tells her, you know, my child is innocent and you're not going to want my child. And he's like, well, you know what? Give me your child and I won't eat your husband and the rest of your kids that live in this home. And so you suddenly realize the home's larger than it is and there's more people there right now in this moment. She is, like, unwilling to do this, of course, right? She doesn't want to leave her child. But all of a sudden, her little boy of six years old comes in the room and goes, Mama! And she's like, no, out now. You know, frightened by his mother, the boy runs out. Abigail turns back to Pennywise, wherever he may be now in the room. The light somehow seems to spin faster now. She kisses her baby and sets it down. It balls. Abigail says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She turns away from the baby, faces those dying embers in the fire in the hearth. We keep on her face as they seem to begin glowing brighter. As over her shoulder, out of focus, Pennywise crawls over to the baby and starts to feast. Sharp cry from the baby cut off as we hear a crunch. Abigail, but the deadlights, her expression changing. <laughs> right, so the deadlights that we got in the very first chapter one that didn't really make sense. They don't really make as, sense as, in this as, one as, either. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a, a non-book reader, I didn't really get it, but I guess they're the, the, I kind of thought of them in chapter two as more of the actual alien in its normal form, I, I guess. Anyways, the deadlights get Abigail and lock her into a trance so she's not aware the fact that essentially Pennywise is eating her baby behind her. So that's fucking horrific to have this baby be eaten in a movie that is potentially 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds are going to see, which I encountered in yeah, chapter they, two. They do exactly that in the, in the, in the witch, the Vavitch. Um, but, but the Vavitch, obviously. It smashes the baby with like some kind of mallet and then rubs it all over her body and then floats. Yeah, but also no 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds were seeing the Vavitch in theaters. No, dude. That movie was awesome, by the way. I love it. I know you hate I, it, I but I love it. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I found it just perpetually boring. 
Uh, so but that, that, said. that scene, though, would have made the movie a two to three out of five boys movie for me because I would have been like, dude, you just went over the top, Dark. That was crazy. But the movie was lacking that, and it went way too MCU, and I didn't care for it. And the first film was funny. Chapter one was funny, but it felt earned because it was children – like. It was childlike innocence that was funny, and it was that like that layer to it that made you kind of dive in and go, oh, yeah, that's how kids would address horror. But it was all of a sudden having Angel in the Morning playing while someone's getting covered in fucking black vomit. It was just unnatural and yeah. so fucked up and false, and I just didn't like it. It's a, it didn't know if it was a straight horror movie or an Evil Dead horror movie or a horror yeah. comedy. There's probably more jokes in this than there were in like there in Ghostbusters, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, truly. This, you're talking about the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the good one. Uh, oh, I, I would say the original is honestly probably less jokes than this. The original Ghostbusters scared me more than this movie did. That's true. No, I agree. I agree. Well, what was your ranking of the films in the franchise? We'll do the miniseries, of course. We'll add that in there as all two parters combined. Okay, I'll do the uh, miniseries uh, at third. Followed by it chapter two, followed by it chapter one. Yeah, and obviously mine's not any fucking diversion of that. Uh, miniseries is a one out of five boys, and it's a fucking it's the lowest on my list. Chapter two is one point five out of five boys, and it's the second lowest on my list. And <laughs> chapter one is four out of five boys. I fucking loved it. I no. loved it. I actually really like chapter one. <laughs> Tell us what you think about it, chapter two, and how many boys out of five you would give it by emailing us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com. New episodes of the Cool Boys Podcast come out every week, but usually on Tuesdays. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Cool Boys and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. Uh, please check out our other great Cool Boy Central content with Batman and Beyond on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you for listening. Stay cool, Cool Boy Nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Felk. And that's Bizies from Ballard. Are you okay? I'm about to go to the bathroom. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. This episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... Nope, not for this one. This one will be some kind of trailer with a whole bunch of fucking noises. Yeah. <laughs> Probably of some sort. Some kind of Michael Jackson character might be chasing these little kids. Probably, yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking accurate, too. I don't understand. Get some cool, cool boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> So serious.